Hi there listeners. Welcome to episode 59 of Never on the Backfoot podcast. This is me Neha Shetty and I'm so glad to have you all listening in. This episode is a review of the third and the fourth test match featuring India and England. We got to see two matches that were so distinct in nature and elicited different results. While we had a humiliating loss in test 3, our team fought back and showed their class and finesse in test 4, setting the series up so well. We lead 2-1. We will be discussing the major pointers from the first two tests that have happened with the match summaries of test 3 and 4. England's concerns, Jimmy Anderson and Ollie Robinson's stupendous form, Pujara's hot and cold form, Rahane's obvious inconsistencies, Ashwin's exclusion and questions on Jadeja's selection, Lord Shahidul's supremacy, Rishabh Pant's form, the pace bowling quartet, Bumrah's amazing spell on the final day at the Oval and Kohli's captaincy in this packed episode. Let's kickstart the discussion with the third test summary. Coming from a miraculous win at Lords, Team India was looking well set to continue the momentum at Headingley and make the most of the advantage that had in the series. But certainly that was not the narrative as India was bundled out for a paltry 78 and looked listless against the might of Anderson and Robinson who've been in supreme form and have dominated when England most needed them to. and india subsequently lost four wickets in a span of six balls and eventually wilted in a little under 40 overs and inside two sessions for their third lowest total against england the english seamers were rewarded for bowling a fuller length throughout and complementing the bowlers effort the openers hasib hamid and rory burns batted through the rest of the opening day forging england's best opening partnership in the series so far they cruised to 120 for no loss in its robust reply to take early control and hamid celebrated his promotion to the openers role with an unbeaten and well crafted 60 while burns was on 52 at stumps with england 42 runs ahead and on course for a very big first innings lead They did score 432 propelled by a glorious knock by Jorut who scored a well crafted 121 and they were just outstanding with their batting. India in reply never really looked in the pursuit of reducing the deficit except for Pujara who scored 91 and Rohit Sharma who scored a lukewarm 59 and eventually India got bundled out for 278 losing the match by an innings and 76 runs in what was a very embarrassing loss. Let's move on to the fourth test summary. India did not allow the horrors of Headingley to haunt them further as although we did win the match but batting first horrors continued for us as we were again dismissed for 191. The batting did not show any steam and England quite literally steamrolled us. This time around it was Chris Wokes and Ollie Robinson who stole the show with a very good bowling performance but their batting did not inspire any confidence as they too were dismissed for 290 with a very menial lead not amounting to much and the surface was still conducive for batting India ensured in their second essay they fared much better as they made the most of the conditions scoring 466 and with Rohit Sharma scoring 127 in what was his first and probably best overseas knock ensured India was always ahead in the game and England was left chasing a record 368 at the oval 
Their openers, however, Hamid and Rory Burns, with scores of 43 not out and 31 not out, made sizable inroads. You know, they chalked 77 runs in 32 wicketless overs on the fourth evening. Resuming the morning, at 77 for no loss, England folded up for 210 in their second innings. Bumrah bowled the spell of the series as after lunch he conceded just six runs in as many overs and cleaned up Ollie Pope and Johnny Bairstow to make the test winnable for India. His second innings figures read 22 overs, 9 maidens, 27 for 2. He was the jewel in the crown. But even more heartening was the way Shadul Thakur and Yadav too responded to the challenge. On an unresponsive surface, bowling full was the requirement and man, did they meet that criteria. The fast bowlers were right on the money and it was really delightful to see that. With the tourists having just posted a mammoth 466 all out and no sign of menace from a pitch that has generally fallen dormant since 13 wickets tumbled on day one, the idea of scoring another 291 with a full batting card displays far from impossible. But then India dismissed England for 210 with a supreme bowling performance that made for a brilliant win and a 2 1 series lead. Let's talk about England's concerns. Now, England's resources in red ball cricket is very thin. Although they do have Joss Butler back with a series average of 14.4, India unarguably is the stronger collective. England would still hope for some individual brilliance and their over-reliance on Joe Root, James Anderson, Ollie Robinson and even Chris Wokes. Root has carried England's batting throughout the series, in fact through the whole of this year. And what has happened is that he doesn't want this unwanted label if he can't oversee victory and he definitely doesn't want the dubious distinction of being the only English captain to lose two home test series in the same summer. Jimmy Anderson and Ollie Robinson's stupendous form. Now, this new ball pair has been mighty effective. They've taken a combined 36 wickets between them in the four tests that they've played. But they've also been run into ground with nobody in England squad even getting close to the number of overs that they've bowled in the series. For Anderson, at this age, he's 39, fitness I think becomes a major concern for him. And given that one more serious injury could spell the end of his career, England would seriously have to start finding replacements and managing his workload efficiently. So far this series, he has bowled 337.5 overs. This is the most for him since 2018. Yet, no England player has bowled more than 166.2 overs this series. This is Robinson's first summer of test cricket and never before he has been put through such a workload in such a short span of time. But Overton and Wokes too have been impressive in patches and with Sam Curran not inspiring any confidence, it makes the absence of Stokes and Archer all the more evident. The English bowlers have been overworked massively and with their not-so-dominant batting, it has been a series of apparent shortcomings for them. Let's talk about Pujara's hot and cold form and Rahane's obvious inconsistencies. Without Pujara's defiant knock in the second innings at Headingley, where we were already in a precarious position, Pujara was still very impressive. In that high-pressure situation, Pujara's 91 was almost worth 100. But for the record books, it doesn't even amount to that or even make the records board. Pujara previously had gone almost 12 innings in a row without scoring a half-century 
and the streak of not scoring a hundred stretches back a whole lot longer to Jan 2019, when he almost single-handedly gave India their first series win in Australia. But that's over two and a half years ago. And what makes his poor run of form all the more evident is the fact that Pujara is a Test specialist, and that brings me to his contemporary and fellow teammate Rahane, who is under constant pressure to deliver and perform. Since the start of 2020, Rahane is averaging 24.76 in tests, which is the lowest among 34 international players with 500 plus runs. In this period, he has lodged just one century alongside the 250s in 27 innings. Since the beginning of 2017, Rahane has averaged 34.5, which is the fourth lowest among 19 players with over 2,000 test runs. When asked whether such a You know, long stretch of inconsistency coupled with low scores indicated that Rahane does have gaps in his technique, which definitely has to be addressed. We also witnessed during the series that Jadeja was promoted to number five. That was Rahane's batting position for so long, and this was apparently aimed at you know getting the left-right combination in the middle order instead of having two left-handers bat at number six and seven with Rishabh Pant occupying that position. Jadeja was batting with a lot of control so as a team i think india wanted to see how it would affect their balance and momentum in the middle considering rahane was already going through the poor vein of form in both the innings i think it worked to an extent and to, and even in the partnership with virat kohli where they did end up scoring 59 it worked well for the team whether this would be a long term plan would have to be seen But with Pujara too, getting more opportunities and batting at the right order would probably help him get back to form. And Rahane has played a couple of very important innings for us too. So we are just hoping that Rahane too will get back into the form he rightfully deserves to get back in, and he will play a major role in the Indian team's batting. Jadeja has been the talk of the town, especially owing to his selection over Ashwin's. Now. The two wickets of Hasib Hamid and Moin Ali were very important, but not as much as the sum of his bowlings. Now, on 30 overs on a track that was aiding no bowler, let alone one as Prozac as the slow left armour, as many as 11 maidens was witnessed and an economy rate of well under two was seen. Now, this definitely doesn't define Jadeja because he brings so much more to the table. He bowled just under a three of the overs in the innings, which, in a five-man attack on one of the hottest days of the summer, is an important proportion given the load you know it took out of those four quick bowlers that India really needed to fire on both the ends. It becomes especially noteworthy because it came in the aftermath of the continued non-selection of R. Ashwin. This has been one of the major talking points right through the series, but nowhere did it reach a higher pitch than at the Oval when Virat Kohli revealed at the toss that Ashwin wasn't in the team. On the surface, the Oval hasn't been, at least for the better part of the decade, a spin-friendly pitch. But spinners average twenty-four from day four onwards, and this becomes the best for you know all grounds in England with more than a test played since twenty fourteen. There has been something for the spinners then, but it doesn't change the fact that this oval surface was not especially spin-friendly either to the eye or in numbers because seven wickets in all for two twenty runs does speak volumes, right? 
Kohli's reasoning at the toss only amplified that noise in arguing Jadeja's matchup against England's four left-hand batters and it was I think a very good one. Ashwin's record against left-hand batters as we are regularly reminded is freakishly good. The more Ashwin has not been picked, however the more it has seemed as if it was not a you know like for like comparison between the two or even a trade off for that matter. This has been about India looking for its best combination an aim complicated by the emergence of Shardul Thakur who we will talk about a little later on in this episode who would do well to retire you know now because just four tests in his all round career figures are so good that they just have one direction to go in if anything this 3 into 2 conundrum highlights is the depth that India enjoys which is kind of good Jadeja does offer a more solid batting option than Ashwin and this goes without saying in English conditions where he has been prolific with the bat and India's middle order is currently at the moment struggling a lot and it is important to have Jadeja in the batting his being left-handed and as Vikram Rathore the batting coach said it helped you know break that all right-hand top 5 but the real issue that Thakur has is you know he's ended up scoring runs and also taking wickets and india has now won 3 and drawn one of their last 5 away matches in australia and england this is without ashwin ignoring momentarily that india was bowled out for 191 although the shots constitute the rich tradition of indian batting there is still a lot to talk about shardul thakur's classical and orthodox batting has lately become audacious and innovative too and if this this is beginning to sound suspicious it's setting up for a gag to which the punchline is shardul thakur then yes it is i am talking about lord shardul's supremacy Shardul Thakur once again showed why he's such an asset to the team with his batting and bowling as in the first innings he scored 57 and in the second innings he backed it up with a valuable 60 it also goes to show that he can be a proper all-rounder in place of Hardik Pandya he's often referred to his fans as Lord Shardul for his amazing cameos and performances and India can maybe apply the horses for courses plan using Hardik for shorter formats and Shardul for test matches till Hardik is fully fit to bowl those long spells but Shardul has been really impressive and will definitely give Pandey a fight for his life in the playing 11 It really might sound ridiculous but then Thakur has a first class batting average of just 16 but now he has recorded the fastest test 50 this is in terms of balls faced in England and his second in a four test career over a 100 years of the game in this country and at the end of it Shardul Thakur has the fastest 50 i mean this speaks volumes about the kind of contributions he's done think of all the specialist batters in the game and how much they pour into their dominant skill to become what they are now joe roots the number one test batter in the world kohli is among the greatest to have graced the game hour after hour facing throwdowns making those micro adjustments to their feet tweaking stances strengthening their base mental conditioning visualizing it's a whole bunch of factors and here shardul thakur again with just a batting average of over 16 
being asked at the end of the day in all seriousness you know about the virtues of playing with a straight bat in england and man did he answer those pressures well and with him answering just as seriously you know co- he was quoted saying in english conditions if you attempt to play with a straight bat you get the chance to score more runs it swings and seems a lot here so for the batsman the best chance is to score playing with a straight bat this shows his acumen and what he brings to the table a really valuable player Let's now talk about Rishabh Pant's form. All series long there has been chatter about Pant. He has been accompanied by sniggers in the commentary box every time he comes to bat. What will he do now? Will he charge at Jimmy Anderson? Will he reverse sweep him? Will he stand halfway down the pitch to face the bowling toothpick in hand and cigar in mouth? Each dismissal has built this up not only for the circumstances for when he's been dismissed and this is really what compounds the matter the manner in which he gets out but because he's almost always seen you know getting dismissed attacking it's probably both his inadequacies in conditions and his carelessness so when he walked in at the oval to bat it did feel as if a release was due though whether it would be an explosion or an implosion nobody could predict that pant had in front of him probably the most batter friendly conditions of the series so much that even bumrah would later look more like a batter but also a tiring english attack with over 100 overs already bowled and for anderson and ollie robinson in particular this has been a heavy series workload as previously mentioned as well but pant did something outside of most expectations if only because in grinding out his slowest first class 50 he was going somewhere he had never gone before a little underwhelming maybe but that was probably how unlike a pant innings it was it was still a bit of an event it's not that he is you know incapable of defense or playing the slow game here was a surface that he could actually trust his defense on it was more of you know how long he could hold himself back which it turns out is pretty long if he put his intent into it he didn't play his first shot in aggression until the 33rd ball he faced a pull off craig overton he didn't even hit his first boundary until his 54th ball though that loft straight down the ground of moin ali was definitely worth the wait In Pant's case a lack of confidence has never seemed to be a problem for him but he did look distinctly underwhelmed himself when he did get to that 50 a slowly ground out test 50 he might have been thinking is not really all that to be cracked up about but it was definitely a solid innings that helped india greatly let's talk about the pace bowling quartet Now Indian cricket is definitely going through a very exciting period and we can see this paradigm shift. We currently lead the test series 2-1 and this is solely based on the ability of our pace bowlers. In the four tests of the series so far, Bumrah, Shami, Umesh Yadav, Shardul Thakur, Ishan Sharma and Siraj have accounted for 61 of the 70 wickets to fall so far. Jadeja has taken 6 while there have been 3 runouts. such has been kohli's reliance on his fast bowlers who have always stood up and delivered there has been no place in the playing eleven for ravi ashwin and he's like one of your best spinners of the generation and the current world number 2 in icc rankings in all the four matches he has played so far this shows the kind of bowling we have at the moment which is just getting better This series is only adding to the reputation of India's pace battery and has made us a talking point in the cricketing world for a while now. 
the reputation as the number show is definitely well earned the show that our pace bowling puts allows kohli to say that if his side can get 300 on the board the opposition will be under a different kind of pressure india has made bowling out the opposition a habit they aim to take 20 wickets in every match they play and more often than not in the recent past they have succeeded even with umesh yadav making it to the tests we've seen how impressive he was and we got to see spectacular moments in those deliveries to dismiss joe root and then david malan deliveries at the stump and eking out movement at a healthy pace underpinning a morning burst that actually helped put india on top he's been really good in those first spell of you know yadav's innings was on he was matching jaspreet bumrah for intensity 61 of the 66 balls he delivered were either in the channel or at the stumps the same coincidentally as bumrah but when he returned a little bit you know before lunch you know he looked to restore that order that shardul thakur and siraj had kind of let go when he did concede two boundaries in the first over and another in the next he had been just hit for four boundaries in the first 11 overs and he conceded eight in his last eight although these are just numbers but those crucial wickets was what was you know a turning point and a defining point for india in the game and yeah they will always be remembered I think this episode would be incomplete if I don't talk about Bumrah's amazing spell on the final day at the Oval. Now this was a clear day in London, a day 5 pitch that was still so conducive for batting. Bumrah produced that amazing spell that probably just seems unimaginable. Now Ishant Sharma's 7 for 74 is something you remember because of the number of wickets, but this spell had that amazing quality to it that it took the pitch and perhaps even the batsman out of the equation. At lunch on the final day, I felt the match was like delicately poised. England had made their way to 131 for 2 and were looking good to go with the total at least eke out a draw. Hasib Hamid was batting on a very nervy 62 and he had Joe Root for company at 8 but India had plucked away in the morning session and they'd got two wickets too but with the way the pitch was going a draw seemed like probably the you know most fair result that could happen England played out his first two overs but yet you could feel something in the air Bumrah was finding his finest rhythm Pope who had just scored a fine 50 in the first innings was also found wanting The stumps had been attacked and the batsman just couldn't handle the heat. It was too quick. The natural angle into the right-hander had him play down the wrong line completely and then it nipped sharply. The batsman could only just stare down the wicket before reluctantly beginning to walk back to the dressing room, shattered just like the stumps. This was Bumrah's 100th test wicket and it had just taken him 24 tests to get to that milestone. the fastest indian pacer in terms of matches to reach this mark faster than kapil dev the legend who had taken 25 matches to do the same in the very next over bumrah struck again this time the length was even fuller it reversed at the last possible moment and hit the base of the leg stump perfection just when india needed it the batsman heard the death rattle but he briefly turned to look at the stumps He knew the answer but he just wanted to be sure sure that he had been made to look like an absolute novice by one of the best fast bowlers of our generation 
His overall figures in the post-lunch session read 6-3-6 to like a tennis game score. At the other end, Jadeja had done his bit too. When Bumrah's spell ended at the 71st over, England was 149 for 6 after 71 overs and staring down the barrel of defeat. It was just a matter of time. But Bumrah's spell had definitely cast a spell on the hosts, one that took them to their own destruction. It seemed like a once-in-a-generation spell, but Bumrah's been producing them so often that it has become almost a regular occurrence. That is his genius and perhaps India's good luck. My last and final point of this podcast has to be Kohli's captaincy. Kohli's captaincy was superb. From his game reading, his comment at the toss about Jadeja's role in this test, to the bowling changes and field placements that have been so accurate, I think the skipper didn't put a foot wrong. He set a leg trap and asked his bowlers to attack the stumps, very well knowing that without lateral movement, offside dismissals would be at a premium. India recovered from several positions of peril in the match. We were bowled out for 191 in the first innings, conceding a lead of over 99 after both the sides had batted just once, being 6 wickets down with a lead of only 213 on day 4 and then seeing England reach 100 without loss in the 4th innings test. It is that unrivaled ability, I think, of him, you know, to respond to situations and also about the fact that he invests so much in his players. As England allowed several positions of authority to slip through their fingers, inspired displays from, you know, a handful of Kohli's cohorts led to the victory at the Oval. Except for his 71st century, among some issues that elude us, India has had a perfect series so far. With this, we draw curtains to the episode that served as a review and analysis of Test 3 and 4. We witnessed Test Cricket at its finest. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do check out at the rate never on the back foot on Instagram for the latest facts, trivia, quizzes, terminology and a lot more coming up this season just for you. We're even on Twitter with the handle name at the rate never on the back one. So please do check that out. The podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Overcast and a lot of other platforms. So please do spread the word. Also, feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions for the already published episodes and recommendations for future topics. Do share this widely and your support is really appreciated. See you next time, listeners. Cheers, stay safe and take care. Bye for now.